Hey guys, welcome back to The Writer's Lens. This is Josh, J.C. Alfelto. And this next interview that you're about to listen to is with a gentleman by the name of Lauren Reich hens And a little bit different experience for me as we got to sit in the same room and discuss this face-to-face. It's a bit of a lengthy interview, and the sound may be a little bit different than what uh, you're used to hearing because uh, we're in a room across from each other. So always learning, always trying new stuff. This was a new thing for for me and uh, also for Lauren. Uh, but I'm not going to take away his uh, story or his thunder because I want you to listen to all the stuff that he has to share in this particular interview as I talk about just singing and creativity and teaching and all kinds of musical narratives and storytelling. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. So stick around till the end. This is my interview with Lauren Reesh-Hens. Enjoy. He is a singer, a teacher, a writer. All those things are the reason why I wanted to have him on here, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> uh, Mr. Mr. Lauren Reesh-Hens. There you go. Good job. All right. That's it. Awesome. Title. Awesome. I'm glad I got that right. What is the nationality again? Lauren, uh, well, it's my grandpa's middle name, and I'm not sure. It might be Finnish. Lauren mm-hmm. comes from a lot of, you can think of Lorenzo or I don't know, mm-hmm. but Reesh is Finnish. That's from my mom's side. Mm-hmm. And Hens is German-Hungarian. It's from my dad's side. So, yeah. So you're basically a mutt. You've yes, <laughs> yes, I'm disgusting. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, please adopt me. I, please, yeah, adopt okay. me. please, okay. <laughs> this is going to be great. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you're wondering why I have Lauren on this uh, on this podcast, aside from that, he's a, he's got an awesome big personality uh, and a big voice, which yeah. is one of the reasons also why I wanted to have him on here. That's yeah. right. <laughs> uh, Lauren and I connected at a uh, book signing event on the east side of Cleveland. He was there representing Apollo's Fire, mm-hmm. um, whom he works for. I'll let him talk about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, Lauren came over, was inquiring about my books. We started chatting. Here we had a lot of things in common. Uh, he's definitely a creative. He's a guy who's really involved in probably, I would say, influence and education as far as music is concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, very much so. Uh, so... We've kind of struck a bit of an email relationship, and then, <laughs> yeah. as creepy as that sounds, no. uh, and I said, you know what, dude, I want to have you on my podcast, and let's just talk creative stuff, let's talk music, let's just talk, talk, <laughs> let's, yeah. just, let's just chat a bit, so uh, being a fellow creative, um, you know, penetrating thinker, a guy about art expression, um, Lauren, thanks for being on The Writer's Lens. Of course, thanks for having me. And this is a big difference for me because usually I am kind of doing this via Skype but we are sitting across from each other yes so this is going to be a I felt it was important for me yeah because I can't you know feel the room yeah. you know get involved yeah kind of thing. I kind of like that actually this is taking me out of my comfort zone so this good. is this is good so. you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> so so all that in mind now that I've, I've given you the proper kind of build up you know what is your story Lauren aside from the things I've, I've kind of mentioned about you being a East well Clevelander and yeah. being involved at Apollo's Fire, like what is what is your story? Um, I mean, just in general. Sure. I mean, okay. I, I mean, um, I was born uh, in Cleveland Fairview Park Hospital. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, I was always involved in music. I started getting involved in music in like third grade, and you know, just it was mm-hmm. part of what I did. My father had a music group, and when he was in high school, he had a funk band. And uh, though he doesn't work in music, and my mom is an artist, so I was kind of like surrounded by creativity and such. Mm. Um, and then uh, when I moved to, up to middle school, my parents divorced, 
And um, that was a very hard thing to go through as a you know fifth grade, yeah. sixth grade kind of thing. It's pretty you know traumatic, and uh, I wasn't a very popular kid, <laughs> and I had very no friends. And so, <laughs> and so, wow. so well, you know, yeah. and so music became mm. truly my only place where I could really emotionally express myself. Mm. Um, and I felt very comfortable in band and choir, and I was I played percussion in middle mm. school, and I was always hitting stuff, and mm. that was good for like anger issues, and you know, mm. um, but I, all my friends were in music and so I just sort of like stuck with it and really mm. found that I really enjoyed it mm. um, and then uh, come high school I was involved in theater started doing that more started doing more acting kind of stuff uh, and then I started my own barbershop quartet because I watched the music man the oh. musical do you know that one no you, I don't you should watch it it's really fun it's I, like it's a it's an oldie but a goodie but I, I saw music man and I was inspired by the barbershop quartet and <clears throat> Hmm. So I started it with my friends, and we just hmm. sang in the concerts and stuff in high school, and you know, and then we uh, started just to do other things outside the community, and and so up until that point, I kind of wanted to be a rocket scientist because I realized I because I like space, I really uh -huh. like sci-fi, and mm. I really like one of the things we bonded over, like, yes, yeah. yes, which I haven't finished your book yet yes <laughs> because yeah. i packed it i'm in the middle of moving and i backed it in a box and i left look don't even all right doesn't need to be a confessional thank you thank you thank you um but yeah so um i realized well hey i actually really love this music thing um these guys i'm actually pretty good at it as a mm -hmm. sophomore kind of directing and leading my group i'm like i'll just go into it and mm -hmm. and a lot of my teachers especially my music teachers and theater teachers were very inspirational for me mm -hmm. and they became my very uh, strong influences on my artistic career. So, hmm. so I went to school at college, um, <clears throat> and you know, did that whole thing. And I, I realized about halfway through that public education really wasn't my thing. Hmm. It really wasn't um, what I thought uh, I wanted to do. I wasn't really strong in a lot of the aspects you need. And mm -hmm. um, but I realized I still love music, and I still love you know singing and everything like that. So I stuck with the degree, but I also started to get a performance degree, and so I was singing, and I'm a, I'm a singer, that's my main instrument. Mm -hmm. I originally wanted to do percussion and singing, but I but it's a funny story, I went to go um, take a lesson at a school with a guy there, and I played my stuff on percussion. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go, it's gonna be really nice, and he said, huh, well, maybe you should take some lessons. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, no. <laughs> like, oh, great. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I shouldn't do that, you know, so okay. Uh, but um, at any rate, uh, college, I got super involved in mm. um, uh, acapella groups, in opera, uh, and some of the theater stuff there. And my friends were a really huge influence on me because uh, some of my friends that we I was together with were very intense and intellectually interested in art mm -hmm. and the definition of art. Mm. And I had always grown up with my mom being a painter and my dad being creative always grown up with appreciation of art uh, but they we really focused on trying to see what it was and trying to mm. see what music is and and so you know in college you're kind of pushed to be introduced to like new bounds of you know uh, mm. exploration and especially right. in art when you're in that world right. uh, you see all that see what's outside your original high school bubble basically yeah absolutely mm -hmm. I mean and I can recall <clears throat> I can probably recall a handful of moments in my collegiate career that my mind was completely blown and my horizons just like blew over mm -hmm. blew open and and eventually um it really uh uh 
really influenced me on what I want to do with my life, which is mm-hmm. kind of like um, Richard Wagner is a composer. Do you know of him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I, I think most people call him Richard. Yeah, that's wrong. They're wrong. They're wrong. No. You know, he wrote The Ring Cycle. He wrote all this yeah. opera stuff. But he had a he had a term of an art called Gesamtkunstwerk, mm. which is, in German, quotations, total art. Mm. And that's basically the idea that um, an art, like an opera, can be comprised of all arts and be total art and be total art experience so that you become Mm. it's not even basically immersion but it's you become a full receiver of all the art that it can Mm. be it's an I don't know wow but I really latched onto that and I said Mm. well hold on that's kind of what I love because Mm. that's what I really want to do um and yeah, and then so sort of I moved to Cincinnati, and I wasn't doing so great down there, working at a retail job, and then I moved back up here and was working at Macaroni Grill, and, you know, months later, I'm, I'm here with you, talking <laughs> in a microphone, so it's right. good. <laughs> but, on, uh, you were on the upswing. I was on the upswing, and now I am in, uh, yeah, okay. No. Um, but uh, you mentioned Apollo's Fire, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to Apollo's Fire basically because I needed a job. Mm-hmm. But I realized that um, working for a corporate company, like mm-hmm. a retail job, it didn't really jive with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it I, seems to be a real issue with creatives in kind of today's environment. Yeah, you know, I, I would say that. Yeah, I mean, I've done a ton of research on this. I actually just finished reading a book, uh, Real Artists Don't Starve. Oh. By Jeff Goins. Okay. I'll have to let you borrow it. Yeah. I mean, it's, cool. but he talks about uh, the ideas that he's kind of putting forth. Now, Goins is a platformer, he's a writer. Okay. He basically helps other writers find their voice and, yeah. and, and find, you know, how do I fit into this kind of budding creative class that he calls it. And uh, it's really fascinating about what we think about art in terms of what it's worth and what the corporate world says it's worth. And what other people say it's worth, because subjectively speaking, with art, you can say that this is worth a hundred bucks, and some person might say it's worth a thousand. Yeah. All right. So there's a little bit of a variance there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, yeah, it's really interesting, you know. And when you were talking about the total art experience mm-hmm. that Wagner was speaking of, mm-hmm. that really intrigues me. So yeah. we might have to circle back to that, but I don't well, want to. We will. Yeah, oh, I hope sure. we will. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think really for me, it was the fact mm-hmm. that I was raised. Uh, in a family that was very focused on kindness and to help people. And mm. and we weren't necessarily Christian, but we had those ideals of, of charity. Mm. And um, when I when I worked in a retail job, it was just so self-serving. Mm. Um, I mean, it wasn't a very good job, but, but you know, I, I was like, I want to do, I want to help people. I, mm. You know, you buying a t-shirt for $50 at whatever place is not really helping you. Mm. You're just spending the cycle and all this stuff and I just didn't feel good. And so it's so, too transactional for you. Well, not ex- I mean, sure, if you want to, you know, mm-hmm. um but yes, I think so. Okay. Um for me, music part of music and part of what I do as an artist is to help people, is to provide mm. a I could say provide a service to people, mm. but it's not just providing a service. It's right. way deeper than that. Mm. And so to go, I was looking for nonprofit work, and I found this job. And and you know, I I've actually been experienced in early music, which is what a Paul's Fire is. It's a Baroque orchestra, mm-hmm. and they play period instruments, uh, 
they play early early music like 1600s, 1700s, all this kind of old stuff. Um, and I've sung some of that stuff. I went to Sweden for a Gregorian chant kind of boot wow. camp a couple of weeks and recorded a CD. So what do they do at there. a boot camp for Gregorian chant? <laughs> I mean, that's intriguing. It wasn't really. A, I mean, well, we, we did a lot of drinking. I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I guess. For, your, least, for the vocal cords. No, of course. Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay, yeah. Whiskey is no. Um, uh, we just sang a lot. I mean, we mm-hmm. get to sing in these beautiful Lutheran churches and, you know, and... Uh, that's fascinating. Man. Yeah, it was really yeah. incredible. Um, and, you know, so... So I wasn't I wasn't completely unfamiliar with uh, early music. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean we'll go in deep. I, I'll talk a lot, but yeah, I, no, <laughs> no, that's all really interesting. I mean, as as far as that that kind of piece of uh, like we were talking about Eastern Europe before we mm-hmm. before we started recording here, and you know you're referencing a lot of bands and, and people that have come out of there, and mm-hmm. I'm going. I don't know anything about this. And it's really interesting to me. And, yeah. and even when we first connected and you were talking about, you know, your voice being this expression and almost being, uh, almost defining you in some way and being careful about that at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and just this idea of servicing people with your voice, helping them. Uh, I think it's really interesting, Lauren. Um, and that goes back to what I was, again, Goins is on my brain because I just finished his book. Yeah. But this, but this concept of we want to inspire people. Uh, you know, we want to be able to feel like we've helped them get up in the morning. You know, or that there's a call to action there almost. And art has almost this sense of getting in you. Yeah. And uh, so I think that's really interesting because um, since I can't sing, so I, <laughs> but I can write. I no, can. but you, in the same way that you write, mm-hmm. the, the way I, it's the same sort of thing that happens between in people. Mm. Uh, it's sort of this outpouring of, uh, of a self. Mm-hmm. And I think what, I mean, we, you, you will go on about this, <laughs> but um, art, part of art is to, really what I want to do, what I believe is that part of art is to really show uh, people, humanity, what living is, what the world is, hmm. because art can be a reflection of the state of things, mm-hmm. but also a reflection of inner things, all these different stuff. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when a person experiences an art piece, they put themselves into it and they see themselves in it, hmm. and they also see everything else around it. And that's kind of what you're giving them. You're mm-hmm. giving them, you know, that. For twenty bucks, or you know, like you know, <laughs> or for free, or for, for free, yeah, absolutely, yeah. and yeah. you know, and there's way more to that, but you know, that's just kind of. I think it's really interesting because the guy that I just interviewed, and, and I, again, we were talking about this off air, uh, Willie Scott, who mm-hmm. uh, does our Fold, mm-hmm. uh, Fold is his name. He was talking about how even when we are expressing ourselves through music, people are looking at us through their own filters too. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're looking at our art and they're they're also filtering it as they're sort of imputing themselves, you know, into what we've done. Yeah, which is really interesting. So yeah. you know, so there's all kinds of layers there of of how do I see the world? You know, what is my worldview through this, and how is this changing my worldview, or is it not altering my worldview? There's a lot of things going on there in the in the exchange. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's 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 incredible, and it's so interesting to me that because that I think that sort of well, all of that can lead to basically our question of how does music tell a story like your writing does? Yeah, and I'll let you lead the podcast, right. but I'll just say <laughs> that that I think is the same way someone reads one of your books. Hmm. Not the exact same, but mm-hmm. it's very similar. You know, you mm-hmm. read something and you you well. 
anyway. No, no, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, that's I, fine. No we, we can yeah. either jump ahead on that, or we don't, we don't have to. Dude, uh, I'm just I'm just blabbing, man. Yeah. You got me excited. <laughs> I'm just going. I'm here. <laughs> No, that's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we'll, we'll, we can circle back to that. <laughs> yeah. We can circle back to that because I do want to talk about some of the other things that you do. Okay. Uh, since you started Apollo's Fire because sure. you're also teaching vocal lessons. I do, yes. Which, which is what you do. So what yeah. age group are you teaching, uh, like multiple ages? or? I teach lots of different ages. I, I The youngest I have is six years old, mm-hmm. uh, and the oldest I've had is about 60-something. An oh, wow. older gentleman, yeah. So uh, it's mostly middle school, high school area. So mm-hmm. um, as you progress as a, a voice instructor, you kind of get older and older te- uh, mm-hmm. students, um, mm-hmm. you know, college students, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you still teach whatever ages you want to. Yeah, no, no kidding. Yeah, but I've been teaching for about two years professionally and a few years before that, and I love it. It's mm. it's one of my favorite things. To and do. that's not something you do through Apollo's Fire, correct? No, that's the Beck Center in Lakewood, gotcha. Ohio. And uh, that's a great place. But I actually grew up there. I grew up in that area, and mm. I did programs at the Beck Center. Mm. So it was really fun for me to go back and be like, hey, I went here. Yeah. You know, kind of getting back in a same yeah, industry yeah. in a different way. Yeah, that's, a little bit. That's that's really cool. So, do you have like your own studio that you like work out of there, or is it? We share rooms, but I have. Um, I yeah, I kind of have a favorite room okay. <laughs> in my own physical studio. A lot of teachers have their studio where they can. It's sort of like a moving thing, mm-hmm. but it's really wherever I am is my do, studio. Do a lot of the people that come in then, since it's such a varied age range, do a lot of the people that come in are they primarily? Is it like? Do you take it as they're taking it as a hobby? They're trying to improve something, or is it? Do I want to do something with this? Is it like how do you gauge? I mean, not that you have to gauge it, but is it? No. But what do you get a feeling for when people come in there? Yeah, that's part of my process as a teacher. I mean, mm-hmm. um, when I, I usually get a lot of students who are trying out for musicals, who are already pretty involved, hmm. and they want to improve their singing. But I do have a few students, that's the majority of my students, okay. but I have a few students who ha- who sing in choir, kind of just do it, but mm-hmm. they kind of want to get better at it because they want to audition or mm. they just like, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that's sort of more along the hobby aspect. But there are, you know, students who are just, your parents are saying, oh, you got to go take voice lessons. And <laughs> thankfully, I haven't run into that, but I think if I did, I think it'd be a good time, but, you know, so, Yeah. So the folks that are let's so let's say the folks that are on the upper echelon of life, you know, like you said in their sixties, are they there to kind of like you said hone like where they've already come from, like as far as their voice is concerned? Yeah. Or? Well, um, a couple of them. Well, the ones that I've had are already in ensembles and mm-hmm. they've been doing it for years, yeah. but they don't really know what they're doing, huh. and not not in like a, oh they don't know, but more like it's so um, fascinating to me that mm-hmm. the majority of people I think go through life without really exploring what their voice can do. They people just sort of stay at oh I I talk mm-hmm. and sometimes my talking goes up really high or my talking mm-hmm. goes up really low or, or mm-hmm. it's just monotone mm-hmm. and they don't really do anything else. Hmm. I don't know about you. I grew up making voices in yeah, my home. Yeah, same way. But we were just like <laughs> my family was like goofing around and just being crazy. Yeah. And so that kind of I was really already familiar with what I do with my voice. And so singing higher and singing lower and mm-hmm. doing absurd noises wasn't unfamiliar for me. Mm-hmm. But you know. My one student comes in, he's like, oh, I've never sung above this, but he can do it. Mm. You know, it's perfectly fine. But it's a mental thing at that point. Really? Because, yeah, because people are like, oh, I've never done, and they get afraid. Mm. I'll tell you, uh, a lot of people say this kind of thing, that the majority of learning how to sing is a mental game. Hmm. Because... See, I would not think that. Yeah. I would not at all. Well, think about it. I mean, okay, you get a trombone. 
You're learning how to play a trombone. Okay. Do, do, do. I don't know why I picked the trombone. Do you play an instrument? Or you... I, I was percussion like you. Oh, okay. Heck yeah, yeah right. I, so you... So you um... Do I look like a trombone guy? Is that what... I don't... Is that an insult? No. That's well, no. sure? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't we'll think it, it is. No, I don't think it is. I like please, the trombone. trombone listeners, please. Just stick around. <laughs> <laughs> no, um... So, you know, you play drum set or other yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. So you learn how to hold a stick. Yep. You learn how to hit the snare and yeah, the hi-hat and the timing. Yeah, and yeah. you learn how to do all the combinations mm-hmm. of there. Yeah. But as a voice, I don't have anything to hold. I don't have anything to physically move or look at. Hmm. It's all inside. And it all changes within about two inches of meat in your throat. <laughs> and I say meat because it's not just muscle. It's all this other gunk. Oh, wow. And, and everything in your head, too. And you're basically learning how to make really tiny, minuscule movements and make those movements a habit. Wow. And it's a challenge because you're teaching your brain how to recognize and feel those certain things. Huh. And then you're teaching it how to remember to do those certain things. And and then of course you combat personalities. Hmm. You know, whatever person insecurity goes directly into how they sing. Whatever really? person's body, whatever health issues they have or anything goes directly how you sing. That's part of what I was talking about when we first talked about it, was singing being a part of who I am. Because whether or not you realize, everything that you do affects how you sing, your voice. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because my my wife and I will watch just like primetime shows like The Voice Mm -hmm. or America's Got Talent. We've been watching America's Got Talent recently. Uh, flipping back and forth between The Bachelor, which is a comedy to me. So, <laughs> oh, so, man. So, <laughs> wow. Sorry, sorry, anyone that is no, a big I've never seen that. I don't get it. I don't, you know, whatever, man. man. If you want some good comedic relief for your life, I would say tune in on Monday nights from like 8 to 10. It's, yes. It's, 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 not, it's not something you watch for the, the actual romance. It's, yeah. It's, it's just, the, it's comedic, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All the editing. That they, anyway, I don't want to go down that path. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yes, yeah, so we watch these shows, and I just kind of go, "This has got to be God-given talent." You know, this is nothing that a normal person could pipe out. You know, in a weekend or something, which is interesting because, again, as my mind works and I'm talking out loud and I hear what I'm saying, is I think about the same thing with writing, is like having to have to figure out how to work my muscles of like whatever words I'm using. Mm-hmm. You know, like becoming better at using certain words, figuring out my style, and teaching myself that this is how I create the flow of a story. And what you're telling me as far as using your voice, I, I, I really relate to that. So you as a novelist train and practice your ability to create themes and and, mm-hmm. and diverse words enough to make it interesting and mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. Is that something that you teach yourself, or I mean, I know they have classes and that. Oh kind yeah, of stuff, you learn you learn from reading actually. Okay. I mean, in the uh, same yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the same way that you might learn by listening. People, Absolutely. You know, yeah, listen you know, to all different. You know, because I know a lot of musicians can be like self taught that way because mm-hmm. they're listening and they just kind of have that sixth sense. Like, oh yeah, I know I know how to play that on guitar or something, mm-hmm. which is what I always wish I could have done. Oh, but yeah, I know it's like ah, oh, it's one yeah, of those yeah. things. But but as a as a writer, especially too, you have to be such a wordsmith. Mm. You know, you have to really hone this idea that I don't want to just say things that people have seen before, but I want to be able to to recreate the theme that I'm looking for. Yeah. You know, so it's almost like as I'm developing my style, I figure out what are the best ways to put this sentence together. I mean, you may rewrite a sentence thirty times. Yeah. Until you figure out exactly, you know, this is how the words go together. This is how it flows. This is where I feel like I've. I'm kind of conveying my message better yeah. than what I did before. Yeah. I mean, all of writing is learning to articulate that on paper and then communicating that to somebody else. Okay. I mean, in the same way you would communicate 
you know, a song or, yeah. you know, whatever. So, yeah. so I, I resonate with that. I really do. Do you, um, as a writer, ever have a mentor in a way where, I mean, as a voice, as a singer, part of my journey as a singer is to study with teachers. Mm-hmm. And basically, you study with teachers at different parts of your life t- to basically have a different perspective and someone can hear your voice, mm-hmm. someone who knows more than you mm-hmm. and teaches you how to do mechanically mm-hmm. and also, you know, teaches you musically mm-hmm. what to do. Do you have that sort of thing in oh, yeah. writing? Okay. Oh, oh yeah, so this is this is a good question because uh, there's this has really emerged in the last probably 10, 12 years. Really? Okay. Are these virtual online teachers and oh. mentors that have come out of, I don't want to say the woodwork because they haven't, yeah. but it's basically folks like Jeff Goins, Jerry Jenkins is a, is a big one who wrote the Left Behind series. Mm-hmm. He has this online group called The Guild where he literally will, you, I mean, you pay a little bit to do it every month, but yeah. you can submit work to him and to his team, and they will literally edit your work. They will tell you the do's and don'ts of whatever you're doing. Uh, they'll give you maybe like a live session where you can ask questions. Uh, he does like, a, I don't think it's bi-weekly, but he'll do webinars oh. where people can come on live, ask him questions, okay. you know, through the power of the internets. Yeah. You know, they can they can do that. Yeah. And this has been an emerging thing in the writing community, especially since self-publishing started. Yeah. Because now you can have access to people who are really good at what they've done. Mm-hmm. And these are people who have made it through the gatekeepers, you know, for the last yeah. 30, 40 years. They yeah. got through the gatekeepers. Someone thought that they were worth their, you know, whatever weight in gold or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. And now these guys have turned around and said, you know what, I'm kind of done writing stories. I'm done writing fiction, nonfiction, whatever it is. I'm going to actually train people who are interested in my work to write like me. Yeah. And it's kind of a legacy thing in some sense, but it's also anyone who's aspiring to be an author or a writer can find these communities pretty readily, actually. I'm sure these kinds of things existed before the technology oh. made it easy. I just, yes. didn't even, I just didn't really even think about it. Oh, yeah. You know, I think as author, just someone who writes, you yeah. know, like, Ooh. Yeah, yeah. And sits in a cottage in the middle of the forest. Yeah. And, oh, know, so you know, wonderful. Yeah, grows, Stephen King, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, grows the big beard oh, and talks man. to animals in his spare time. <laughs> <laughs> Gets the divine downloads. Yes. And, you know, but that's actually a, that's a stereotype that's being debunked nowadays. Yeah. Because, you know, you actually have to grow in community. Mm. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to be in a Cleveland community of writers, mm-hmm. you know, here in Cleveland, I've, I think I've told you about, yeah. where uh, we can kind of edit each other, we can kind of sharpen each other, we can share tidbits of information, you know, like, hey, I went to this conference or I went to this thing and I found out all this really neat information about what we should be doing as self-publishers because the, the industry is changing constantly mm-hmm. in terms of publication, mm-hmm. like new marketing ideas, things like that. But to your point about learning the craft itself, learning how to edit, proofread, all that kind of stuff. There are tons of mentors out there. Sure. Some bad, you know, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And some of them, you know, I would say venerably really good, and they've kind of stood the test of time, and they're yeah. around. So, so yeah, the, hopefully that answers all your question there. But Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Abs- yeah. <laughs> 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 no, so that's good. That's- yeah, I, I love teaching. Um, and uh, uh, for me, it's part of what I was talking about. Giving back is, mm-hmm. uh, is important to me, and mm-hmm. um, and, and I think actually in your in your what you said about someone oh decides they're done with writing and they want to teach. Same mm-hmm. thing can happen in singing, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of the times it's a combination of teaching and you mm-hmm. know performing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you learn while you teach. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, and. There's so much. There's so much music. There's so much of everything to learn and to do, and it's just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my biggest thing I try to share with my students is my passion for what I do, mm. um, because the main thing I think about is 
I want to make sure they're having fun. Yeah. And I don't mean like fun as as in like pleasure. I mean fun as in like real worth and mm. real value. Hmm. You know, that they can come into the lesson and yeah, maybe they didn't feel or sound that good. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was really hard. But they leave feeling, I got something out of it. Or even better, I want to be better. Mm-hmm. Because they enjoy it so much. Right. That's my concern. Hmm. You know, and then from there it's, you know, what do they want? And how can I do it healthily? And all this other stuff. So... Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to it. But. That's oh, that's really good. That's really yeah. good. So, it, and this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna segue into my next question, yeah. which is really about the storytelling aspect of music. Because mm-hmm. you and I started having this conversation, yeah. and I just I was like, wow, I cannot wait to kind of unpack this with yeah. Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, people as they're learning, like if they're learning under you or they're learning under anybody, as far as honing their voice and figuring out, I mean, all the things you were telling me about teaching your brain to recognize yeah. how to do certain things. It just kind of blows my mind. Gives me hope that maybe someday I won't be so tone deaf. Oh, uh, the hey, tone deaf does not exist. Tone deaf does not exist. Tone deaf, no. I mean, tone deaf, if tone deaf did, if tone, if you were truly tone deaf, mm-hmm. you would not be able to tell the difference between like an ambulance siren and a cell phone ringing. Something like that. It's that wow. you, it's, it's, uh, that's probably just a very in, incorrect thing to say. But the fact that you can tell differences in pitch mm-hmm. is, is good. Is a, is a thing. So, you know. That's your, it's just the output that people have a problem yeah, with. Yeah, <laughs> well, because it's the same reason that they've never really done it. Yeah. They, their brain doesn't know how to make those connections. And this is part of natural talent and not. Some people's brains are automatically predetermined just to be good at mm. making those connections. Personally, as a musician, I'm good at what's called sight reading, <laughs> where I just look at a piece of music, I can hear kind of how it goes, and then I can just sing it. I don't really need a lot of time to learn it. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people are better at other parts of music. So it's that kind of you know brain thing. Hmm. But um, but we're talking about stories. We're talking about music and stories. You're getting me off. All right, here we no, go. it's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> I'm just talking. It's all good. Um, so how does music tell a story compared to writing? Mm-hmm. Or you know, well, I mean, have you ever found stories in music? I think so. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> do you, yeah. Do you have a favorite song? A favorite song? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, I should have asked you before. Yeah. So you get a thought. You know, I actually probably my favorite song singing wise, not just orchestra. Okay. Yeah, you because know, I'm I'm a big theme guy. Okay. I love orchestrated theme. Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. Well, both too. Yeah. 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 I'd say probably my favorite song with lyrics, and this is going back a ways, is my favorite grunge band from the '90s, uh, Hoobastank. <laughs> so, yes, so, yes. So, so my, I thought you grew up on a farm. No, I went through a phase. Dude, best <laughs> I, phase in the world. Best phase in the world. <laughs> but they have a song that not a lot of people, I think, know about. Okay, but it's called "Disappear." Okay, and it's my favorite. It's not even like a ballad, but it's more like a rock slash ballad song. Okay, and the lyrics in it, I just think, are just so cool. It talks about this. Uh, the disappear concept is being next to somebody that they love or yeah. that they care about and that yeah. everyone else around them just disappears uh, being around this person. Yeah. And I've always been like, wow, that's like kind that's of really a... cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a really cool concept. And just there's this really neat like outro where they're just kind of singing on the same note and there's just up and down going on with the, yeah. the singer and just the, 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 dr- the, just the drums and the guitar and everything that's going on. Yeah. I just love that. I thought it was really cool. So okay. that's, like, that's definitely my favorite song. So you just answered my question. Yeah. yeah we're done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, no, but, yeah. it, but it tells that story of like, you know, I, uh, especially when I, when I hear that or I hear any song I think that resonates with me, it just feels like I'm starting you out on something. I'm going to tell you, listener, how I feel about something. And then it's almost like coming to a conclusion, like this is this is the journey I've gone through. This is how I'm expressing it, basically, yes. like the joy I feel about it, or it could be the sadness of what I feel. Yeah, you know, the mourning of something that I feel. I think the interesting thing about music that distincts 
it that makes it distinct from other types of um, art is that that story changes mm. every time you experience it differently. Hmm. Um, and I think this is different from novels, uh, really, in a sense, because a novel, um, when you read it, it's it's written, it's there, mm-hmm. and. And a good novelist, you you correct me if I'm wrong, will set up everything you got to know about it and give you the story. Mm-hmm. And you uh, obviously go into it with knowledge of how in, how the language works and mm-hmm. and your you know comparisons to character and all those things. Mm-hmm. But a piece of music, um, it doesn't give you the setup mm-hmm. like a novel will. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say all music that has lyrics tells a story or all ly- music that doesn't have lyrics yeah. don't tell a story you know yeah. there's a there's a classically there's of t- terms like uh, called uh, programmatic and absolute music have you heard of this before no it's very it's really kind of specific to mostly like symphonic works but i'm okay. using it kind of generally okay programmatic is basically the idea that um, something has a theme and a story. Yeah. Uh, Berlioz was a famous composer, and he has a famous piece called the Symphony Fantastique, hmm. which is basically kind of this surrealist journey hmm. where, through four different movements of a symphony, he basically he like goes on this dream and he meets this beautiful girl in this field, and it's like this magical thing, and then she turns into some sort of demon, I think, and like you know, and then he gets killed, <laughs> and literally like one of the last things is like his orally he does this thing where it's like boom 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 and it's his head being chopped off and falling on the ground (laughs) yeah that's like at some point and it's like oh cool i can get that you know that that programmatically like yeah okay that's kind of you can tell what's what he's doing yeah um but something more absolute music is is really just the um pure music of it you're supposed to just to enjoy the pure um tones and things kind of being immersed in it basically or, yeah or but it's okay. it's not it's not so clear you know um huh. so it could be different by whoever the, the listener is essentially well that's kind of what we're talking about before yeah. is that yeah. people put themselves in the music yeah, yeah and that's part of as a musician's job i'm um yeah is that people find their story within a piece of music mm-hmm. and that story doesn't have to be a very strict novelesque. Oh, this person was blue and he did this on Friday. You know, it's <laughs> right. not like that. It's, right. it's very, that's a very bad novel. But it, but you might uh, have just created a next mix. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> the blue man on Friday. There you go. <laughs> right. But it's more like okay, I'm feeling these things. Mm. You know, so it's it's um, it's it's sort of that kind of interpretation. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, even what I was saying, not to cut off your thought. No, you're good. I'm no, like, just uh, what I was describing to you, the story, the, the Hoobastanks song. Yeah. You know, impu- like, putting myself into the character of, like, the disappearing act. Yeah, You know, yeah. And, and thinking of, well, I would think of my wife, in some sense, being the person that I, when I'm around her. Yeah, yeah. You know, everyone else kind of disappears from sight, in a Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. You know, she kind of, you know, because I care for, about her yeah. so much, or I think so endearingly of her, that... It's great to be around her. I love being around her, yeah. and everyone else just kind of fades out of the picture, and the focus is on her. Uh, so we we do that. And but, you, but think ahead. about when you were a kid and you listened to that song for the first time, and you yeah. weren't married. That's right. You know. So what 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 is your story then? What's your interpretation? It probably was in in some kind of crush. It would have yeah, been or not even, or really this kind of like longing for mm, that. You yes. Know? Or That's a good. sadness because of a lack of. Mm. You know, all mm. these different things, and. Um, so does that is that ultimately what separates great songwriters uh, from like Ooh, kind of poor ones? Would that's you say? A great question. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, 
it so depends on mm. what you're looking at and what you're doing. Mm. So, okay, let's just talk about um, a- absolute abstract kind of music. So, okay. like, um, that, when you look at absolute abstract music, originally, historically, it was basically the, 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 uh, the um, worth the validity of the art and the mm-hmm. and how people enjoyed it was really mm-hmm. dependent on mm-hmm. um, the the theory that was used. It wasn't extremely, but it was really dependent on kind of like a thought process through it. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I always think of Bach. You know Bach. Oh yeah. Uh, Cello suite. You know, okay, it's just titled Bach Cello Suite Number Two. Okay. You know, and. And if you don't really know music theory, you're just hearing this beautiful cello go up and down and all these wonderful things. And that, uh, you know, is so good because he was so good at using harmony and all these theoretical principles that if you don't really know, you just hear. But if you know, like, more educated person, you kind of can see it. Yeah. And you're appreciating that music and that art for the what it is, mm. for the phrases it makes and for the notes it uses and for mm. what it does. Hmm. You know, and I kind of I kind of compare that to a poem hmm. because if a poem poems to me often don't have a lot of narrative and they mm-hmm. don't really have I mean if they do, but a lot of it's left up to interpretation. Yeah. No and doubt. so at that point you appreciate poems uh, based on their use of meter or the vocabulary mm-hmm. or the, the way it feels or the way it looks. Mm-hmm. It's those like really purely poetical or poetical, mm-hmm. the really pure <laughs> elements that you appreciate and then gives it worth. Mm-hmm. And it, the same thing is on absolute music. You appreciate the pure things of music mm-hmm. and then it gives that worth. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a separate thing than programmatic music, which is more <laughs> of like, you know, the lyrics and the yeah, story yeah, yeah. stuff. But it's hard to say what's a good songwriter and a good and a, and a bad songwriter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so funny is that it's hard to say it, but as a culture, we know what's a bad songwriter and a good songwriter. Yeah. I, it's, it's really odd. It is kind of odd. Now, does it also depend upon the time that this person is writing? You oh, know, yeah. You know, as oh, well. absolutely. Yeah. I'm so, I mean, like, think about, you know, what do we grew up with? Like, I love Backstreet Boys. Yeah. I freaking love those guys. <laughs> That's a great song. I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. That's awesome. 80 years from now, my kids are probably going to be like, what is that garbage? <laughs> right. They don't, you know, and exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know, and... Um, Awesome. <laughs> just like caught up with it. That was good. Yeah. Or Hoobastank. Like, what is, what is that? What is that? Um, <laughs> yeah, it depends. Uh, but it also depends on, you know, taste. It, mm-hmm. It's it's hard. I'm kind of losing my train of thought, but no, it's good. It's, <laughs> it's good. I think I think we're going down the rabbit hole, which is great. I mean, it's a, <laughs> that's exactly where I wanted yeah. to head with this because I wanted to kind of challenge both of us in this concept because. Art, when, when you think about expression and, you know, we kind of put, like, what is the value of it? You know, what is the value of just self-expression? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we were kind of talking about how there are writers who write for, you know, therapeutic reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I just write because I need to get this out of me. You know, it's, it's something that I know that if I just keep it inside, it's just going to it's gonna affect how I live my life, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's just not healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not good. Like, you were talking about how when you were young, banging on a drum... And just having something to emotionally channel yourself was a great, great thing. Mm-hmm. But you probably weren't in your mind at the time going, I'm going to teach this someday. 
Yeah. You know, like, I'm just like, and I wasn't being like, oh, this is going to be a great song. Yeah. Don't, don't, yeah. You know, like, yeah, like, like I'm not going to do this with the sense of thinking, like, I could do this to make money someday. Yeah. You know, you're just not thinking in those terms. You're just thinking purely about, I'm expressing myself. I'm, you know, this is a noise I'm making, perhaps, or I'm trying to figure out if it makes beautiful sounds. Yeah. You know, things like that. I think that's how most creatives approach their art. Mm-hmm. They, they want to express what they're feeling, what they know, mm-hmm. what they experience about life. Mm-hmm. But it's when, um, you take that as an artist, but you also do everything else around that. Mm-hmm. I think the postmodern art, the postmodern world, is more validity in art within the thought behind the art mm-hmm. versus the art itself. Yeah. You think about things, um, I mean, like, uh, like an Andy Warhol, you know, mm-hmm. pop art kind of stuff. Right, right. Yet that's just a print, okay? Yeah. That's Marilyn Monroe 85 times on a wall. I mean, yeah. what is that? That's, you know, <laughs> things like... You and my wife would, would be able to talk about this. Oh, yeah, she, yeah, she yeah. Does the- I, 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 I love I love postmodern art, but pop art, mm, no, mm, it doesn't really. Okay, anyway, but it's like okay, you want to think about traditional art aspects. Mm. One of those is craftsmanship. Well, in postmodern art, that's not really a huge influence because mm. a lot of people are talented. Andy Warhol doesn't take a whole lot of talent to make prints like that. I mean, obviously, it does take education. So what is there? It's the thought behind it. Mm. He intended, his philosophy was to break the barrier between, you know, pictures of Marilyn Monroe and beautiful uh, Baroque paintings. Mm. You know, he wanted, he presented that philosophy and gave that context Mm. and presented each piece of art Mm. in that way. And because of that, it gave it validity. And that's why his paintings are in museums. And, And strangely enough, it made me think... In doing something that was different, that hadn't been seen before, mm-hmm. it's like being a pioneer gets you remembered in some sense, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm a pi- like he's a pioneer of this. Like, look, I'm going to break all the traditional ways we would look at art mm-hmm. by creating these prints in a certain way, and people are going, "Whoa, we've What's never, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we've never seen this before. Why did he do it? You know, yeah. like that's the question. Like, why did you do this? And that's kind of the question. That I always, I know you're going about to say, oh, something. you're good, you're good. And I was going to say. That's kind of the question I always think, too, when I look at a painting or if I'm even hearing a song is that sometimes it'll come into my mind, why did this person make this? Mm-hmm. You know, or wh- what was it that inspired them to actually create this thing? Mm-hmm. You know, because me as a writer, I can read a story. Uh, you know, I just, uh, like I said, I just got read, done running, uh, reading Goins, but I've been reading C.S. Lewis's uh, Space Trilogy, mm-hmm. which is a deep dive of philosophy. Oh, and, yeah. And, and it's just, it's it's really meaty and just really good, but it will knock your socks off. I, I want to read it. <laughs> <so much. laughs> but, but I'm reading it and I can see it, you know, again, putting myself in the story of the character and everything he's going through and just seeing the lens that Lewis is using is just you know just like wow okay wow like this is really interesting stuff you know mm-hmm. being a pioneer that he was writing in like the 30s i think about going to mars i'm spoiler alert going to going to <laughs> going to mars or going to venus and meeting characters there and stuff like that just really a pioneer of thought not to say that he was the first one to go to Mars with a story. I mean, like, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs was doing that far before he was. With oh. John Carter and things like that. Oh, okay. Uh, just FYI. Yeah. So, no, <laughs> um, So, but yeah, but just this concept of being first, is that something that as, a, as an artist is a, is a priority or is it not a priority? I think what's more of a priority is your authenticity within being a pioneer. Mm-hmm. Because if you just try to be a pioneer, mm-hmm. we, I think we know artists who just try to do something different, but, they're, but it doesn't come from within themselves. Right. It comes from a superficial, superficial understanding of what they, they see mm-hmm. and trying to be different. Mm-hmm. If it's, you can kind of tell 
what's authentic and what's not. And when it's not authentic, it's pushed off to the side mm-hmm. because you don't because that doesn't seem real. You're just being a jerk. You're like just getting attention. You know, <laughs> yep. it's like we can kind of sense that kind of thing. Mm. Um, I think about. Uh, some uh, composers in the oh, what? I was going to say maybe that is maybe you just answered my question what separates great writers or great songwriters from other ones is there's, ah, an, there's authenticity authenticity there. authenticity yes. coming out in their work yes you know, maybe they're just not copying something or perhaps they're trying too hard to be like somebody else instead of owning their own voice yeah or their own message or their unique creation whatever that is and like you were saying it is interesting how people at large after enough exposure of something can kind of go I'm not so sure if this is you especially if they know the person I would yeah. say like I, if I, I know you well enough this is not something that yeah you know that I feel like is authentic coming from you so well you think about any band that people complain about um, selling their soul selling out you yeah. know I think about Metallica all the time <laughs> because early Metallica is yeah. great Metallica mm-hmm. later Metallica sucks because so, <laughs> they because they, they they weren't them but right. now I'm not going to go down that road but really you think about that the inauthenticity and mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's so crucial mm-hmm. as an artist and as a performer mm-hmm. now as a singer when I perform, I think about being authentic, hmm. but it's a complicated thing as a performer because, oh, yeah. and especially as a singer, because what is authenticity as a singer? Well, um, I have to think about portraying what the composer wanted to have happen, what the composer um, was experiencing. I, mm. I basically think about everything that was happening in the world, mm. and especially in that composer's life when the song was created. Mm. And then you look at the song harmonically, melodically, theoretically, what's going on. Right. And then you look at, if it has words, you look at what's happening with the words. What does the poem, what is the composer saying about the poem? <laughs> and then I have to sing that, you know? <laughs> you know? And then, it's, and then it, you put another layer on top of that. What do I think yeah. about the poem and the music and what do I have to do? And then I have to sing German correctly and then, <laughs> you know, and be a musician. It's like, wow, you know, all this, this crazy stuff. Yeah. But that's, but if I spend the time to do it, mm. and if I spend the time to look at the stuff, and I, and I analyze it, and I think about it as hard as I can, yeah. even if someone doesn't agree with how I interpreted a piece of music, mm-hmm. or even if my German isn't completely correct, right. or, you know, I, it, people can still be pleased by it. And mm. that's when I've still done my job, when someone just walks away and says, wow, that piece was really something. Or mm. it doesn't have, like, they even have to like it. But mm-hmm. it, it's this... It's this connection that you create. Mm. And I think when you put yourself into a song in an authentic way, mm. you make that connection. And do you, th- do you think then authenticity is rooted in like telling the truth? Do you think that is all, also part of what it? What is truth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, I, is it like telling... Well, maybe I'll, like, I'll let you get your thought, but like to kind of... Uh, expound upon this idea because you got me thinking about it is one of the things as a writer uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, with um, do you know who Andrew Clavin is? No. At all? So he's a cultural commentator he's also written dozens of like crime novels he's best selling author he has a podcast now but uh, he he's a writer that I just kind of resonate with he's Mm -hmm. a guy that he seems to understand story he understands narrative really well and I, I really enjoy his stuff and he was talking about villains Hmm. And he goes, there's a reason why we all love villains. You know, there's a strange obsession that we have with villains. And he goes, it's because they tell the truth. 
Hmm. You know, they actually tell us the things about ourselves that we don't like. Mm -hmm. But we kind of in a strange way want to indulge it, Mm -hmm. you know, in a a strange way. And I I was like, wow, I go, that's really interesting. And what's true of any story is, uh, I know I'm kind of getting off the the reservation here, but but basically great villains uh, or great heroes are often defined by their villains. You know, so if a, if a villain is truly mm. malevolent, yeah. if the villain truly stands in conflict with the hero and the size of the problem that the hero has to overcome, that makes a great epic story is if your villain truly is larger than life. I mean, think of, uh, I don't know if you play video games at all, yeah, but think about the final boss of any video game you've ever played. Oh, yeah. Usually three, four times bigger than your hero character. Mm-hmm. Physically bigger. Mm-hmm. Okay, again, granted, it's virtual reality, mm-hmm. but... There's a reason why that is. I mean, if you went up against a mouse, okay, like, yeah, <laughs> whatever, well, what easy. okay, yeah. whatever. But again, you could you could argue you could have a mouse as your villain. But but the idea is that by the size of the challenge before you and having sort of the the villain telling you the truth that maybe you're not good enough, maybe you're not good enough to overcome this. I'm too big, you know, for you to overcome. And sort of when I think about writing. My story is like my villain in a sense. You know, I have to overcome it. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> you know? that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, yeah. as a musician, yeah. you are constantly overcome a fear of, you know, doubt on yourself. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you, sorry, yeah, but yeah. I, and it's interesting. I'm thinking about the different, you know, uh, heroes and villains in performing music. And that doesn't really happen. I mean, no. I don't, as I perform a piece, mm-hmm. I don't have a villain I'm fighting. Right. Um, but that's where the kind of sense of creation is different. You know, you're creating this this story with all these really depth things, and I'm taking someone's story and creating some someone's story with my. You know, yeah. inter- it's interesting. But yeah, it's another layer of expression, basically. Yeah, in, in a, yeah, in, in, in an interesting way. But we're both. It's both coming out out from within and then people are also coming in from the outside yes <laughs> you know in yes a, in, a, in a strange kind of roundabout way yeah and and I think we all see um, well I think your question about truth mm-hmm. um, that uh, you know the villain I like that sense of a villain or mm-hmm. a hero is defined by their villain because mm-hmm. really I think that's very interesting mm-hmm. um, because villains I believe I would think are often more true than heroes are or mm. can be, yeah. because heroes have these really um, good, you know, qualities. They have, uh, like your character, your main character in your book that I'm reading, and I forget his main name, but he has a daughter, Dar- Darian. Yeah, Darian. Yeah, <laughs> he's protecting his daughter. Yeah. I'm not giving anything else away. No, right. But he's protecting his <laughs> no, daughter, and he's, and he's trying to do the best thing for him. But he also is trying to teach his daughter all these, mm-hmm. you know, good things. And, yeah. and she's, you know, just kind of this floating person kind of representation of we who we are, and you know, yeah. So, so you know. Um, he has this, these wonderful characteristics, but these, but these other greedy, angry, uh, guilty kind mm. of people and these villains. Mm. I connected that. You mm. know, I don't yeah. really, I don't have a daughter, but of course, I, I like good things. I mm. want to be a good person, and yeah. I protect the people that I love. Yeah. But also, I want to go. You know, <laughs> whoa, there's parts where that are just super, super strong yeah. in each person. Yeah. Um, and as a performer. And as an opera singer, and I'll say opera because you have characters that you portray Mm. these different sides of humanity on. Hmm. And in opera, it's harder to be really detailed about that. I can't really portray guilt, or I can't portray guilt, but I can't really portray these really minuscule thoughts and Hmm. things while I'm performing an opera piece. Hmm. But if the composer's good, 
that the opera is good. The music will complement the emotions, and it'll make this whole different musical experience where people can connect to all these different, really, really impressive and obvious parts of characters. Um, and it goes along the same way. So, as a singer. I'm not making that story, but I'm taking that story and sharing my aspect of it and my perspective of it mm -hmm. and still do that kind of connection. Wow. Yeah. That's really good, man. Yeah, because I, I wouldn't, I, I think you're absolutely right, and just you talking through it kind of made me realize it. Like, there is no hero-villain dynamic, like you were saying, mm -hmm. you know, in music necessarily. Yeah. But, it, but also, too, like, I just think, you know, asking the question, telling the truth and authenticity, it's almost as if, like, just creating the art itself is like overcoming like your self-doubt. Yes. You know? Well, and I was thinking about too, uh, practically, I am constantly overcoming inability. Mm -hmm. I want to perform a piece of music to the best of its ability. But if mm -hmm. I don't know things, if I don't practice it, it's not going to be performed. Mm -hmm. And then it lacks truth mm -hmm. because you aren't doing it justice, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So is, so is it as important then as a singer to understand the intentionality of the composer or the intentionality of of whoever wrote the song. I mean, is that also important to you or is it mostly I have notes, I have lines, I have parts I have to I have to do and the audience might expect it. They might have their own expectation of what they're going to hear. I yeah. Mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. does that I play I think it is important. Yeah. I think I mean this uh, this I think is an opinion, mm -hmm. but a good singer, a good musician uh, I believe will be able to tell you everything about the piece of music they're performing. Mm -hmm. Because if I I believe if you don't have that context, you really can't you really can't perform it mm -hmm. to the best of your right. ability. And, um, but a lot of times, musicians will or composers will make it really easy for you. Mm. You know, like I mean, hot cross buns. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Or, or, or well, not even not even musically. I mean, okay. they will give you what they want or give you what they think. Mm -hmm. You know, a song uh, titled um, uh, uh, "Okay." There's a famous song called uh, um, "The Lindenbaum." Uh, they are Linden Mama. It's uh, it's a piece by Schubert. Mm -hmm. um, uh, sorry. No, it's fine. The so title of it is the Linden Tree. It's a Linden Tree, and this whole poem is just about a tree. And <laughs> you're just sort of giving all these. You're singing about um, all these things that have happened by the tree. Your lover's here. Your lover's gone. These, you know, you're yeah, there. Yeah. It's a long song. But the fact that Schubert gave you a title and gave you this opening lick, he does this. Diddly, 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 it's very yeah. pretty, very mm. beautiful thing. Mm. He already kind of gives you the context of why he wrote it hmm. and you know what was going on and all that mm. kind of stuff. And I think some composers matter really. It sometimes it does matter, and sometimes yeah. it really doesn't. Hmm. I will use another example: um, Tchaikovsky famous, famous composer, mm -hmm. was very gay, mm -hmm. very homosexual, mm -hmm. and he was oppressed in that way. He had, was dealing with these very intense emotions because mm -hmm. he could not be that mm -hmm. in, in the area he was in. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you know that and you think about and you try to perform mm -hmm. these pieces, you think about that context, yeah. and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. There are some way more deeper things in here. Mm -hmm. um, there's another, I'll keep going on this, there's another famous composer called Benjamin Britten, who I, is one of my top five. Um, and he's got a lot of amazing operas. Mm -hmm. And um, almost all of his operas, uh, you would really like them, I think. Huh. Almost all of his operas have uh, these titular um, male characters that are outcasts. Huh. That are that are suffering um, some sort of societal oppression, but they also have inner turmoil. Because are they, they playing trombone? They <laughs> wow, <laughs> 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 they are not. I I don't think I've encountered one. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> sorry, you were right no, down the road there, I man. Left, and I, I went, loved sorry, it. Go Thank ahead. you. No, good. <laughs> a little jolt. Okay. Um, but he was also gay, and so he he could not express that, you know. But there are, of course, other way other different things. Yeah. But um, I believe yes, I believe absolutely. Right. Um, and then yeah, so <laughs> no, that's good. You, yeah. Um, I yeah, I totally didn't mean to ruin your juice. No, there. no, I, I, it's just the question of you know what do you do with it? Yeah. Well, you take that knowledge of who that person was and what was going on, and then you and it, then as a musician you learn the theory. Okay, so mm-hmm. I can see that this this is the chord structure. Dun 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 dun. dun. Mm-hmm. Naturally, I know that means X, or I can feel it. You can hear it mm-hmm. that it means but X or whatever. Yeah. And then you can see the kind of other themes. Um, you think about. Uh, I can think of certain like writing themes that yeah. happen. You know, styles. Those can be translated in melodies. Yeah. You know, actual tonal themes. And so, how does that apply to the harmony? And then you take the poem. You take what the composer reads in the poem, hmm. and you put it in the music. And that's my favorite thing. My favorite thing to do is I always start with the poetry. Because the poetry is what influenced the composer to write it in the first place. Hmm. Because the composer read that and went, well, I'm thinking this. And goes, no, no, no. And they read it again. And they think, oh, no, no. And then so you get to kind of write along with the composer if you look at the poetry beforehand. Huh. You know. That's really interesting. This is a whole world that I'm just not, I, I wouldn't know. You know? Yeah. Unless I, unless well, I was talking to you about it. It's super different mm-hmm. from composing your own uh, writing. And mm-hmm. your own work. And this is where I guess I'll transition. Mm-hmm. At the very depth, at the very base <laughs> of music for me, and me doing music, yeah. was an emotional expression. That I have these inner feelings. Mm-hmm. And they're very strong inner feelings. Mm-hmm. I think everyone does. Some people express them better than others. You yeah, know? Yeah. But I, I have these inner desires and and we all have the human nature to look at uh to find purpose and mm-hmm. you know that huge existential thing oh yeah uh, you know yeah <laughs> and so and so we could go down that oh road. dude let's do it another bucket oh, yeah. <laughs> really i would love to come back yeah but um you know so for me i use music in that search mm-hmm. of worth as i send myself out there i send my emotions to others i s- i share what, what i see mm-hmm. and i share what i think i know mm-hmm. and and throughout that journey, I learn, I learn, and I learn, and I learn. I learn more and more and more. Mm. And it never ends. It never ends. Mm. Um, and that's the way I approached my poetry. Mm. Is um, I wrote all the poetry because I was going through a really hard time. Mm. And I had so much bitterness mm. and anger. And also all these really intense motion, emotions mm. that um, I was... Truly, while I was writing it, I was just emotionally throwing up on the page. <laughs> I was, I was just furiously typing mm. at a computer because you were mentioning you like to write with your, you know, pen and paper. Yeah, yeah. But I can't do that because my I don't write as quickly as my brain works. <laughs> and for me, I wasn't really worried about technicality. You were trying to be a good writer, and I was just throwing up on a page. So see, there you go. See, there's that difference, right? <laughs> but, uh, but in the same sense, I will challenge you in this. Okay. I will challenge you in okay. handwriting. Okay. Handwriting will force you to filter it, but not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. So filtering in terms of getting the clear, concise message okay. out. Okay. So um, sure. So not just the idea of vomiting, like you had said. I yeah. mean, vomiting, fine. Okay. No, yeah. Totally cool. Yeah. But as far as how do I actually know from here to here to the, again, I'm pointing from my head yeah. to the tip of my finger to the pen to the paper, yeah. is what's the direct emotion I'm feeling? 
Okay. In the midst of all the vomiting, it's oh. right here. It's right here at oh, the end of my clarity. pen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the clarity I'm looking for is in this because I've really noticed in in my life through journaling because I journal handwriting. Yeah. You know, handwriting. I, I will. That's how I journal. Yeah. Is you find a bit of clarity, like you said, mm-hmm. at the tip of your pen mm. or pencil because all this jumbling going on and then all of a sudden now I have to I have to filter out the best message through my my hand mm-hmm. basically and as I'm doing that I'm seeing whatever it is recurring or I'm seeing the message come out as clearly as possible mm-hmm. you know I'm seeing whatever the uh, whatever the narrative is perhaps that I'm that I'm seeing come up in the journal or yeah. perhaps in what I'm writing down and then especially too with just ideas I mean just writing it down and going Oh wait, I kind of like that one up the top of the page. Yeah, and I wouldn't have thought of that just in here while everything is yeah kind of you know going around or just you know just whatever I'm I don't know what that noise was no but yeah. <laughs> typing like, yeah, yeah. Typing like crazy yeah so so yeah as far as you know getting clarity in it you know for myself you know that's what I look to do at the at the tip of a pen but what you're saying too just with kind of just dealing emotionally with some deep resonating Mm -hmm. just kind of like you were saying bitterness and things like that and I I don't want to override this I want you to talk about it is is that is also really healthy as well Mm -hmm. you know because it's just like everything comes out at once you know you know boom boom you know and here it is and now I get to kind of look at it and see what it's see what it looks like so yeah so and that was my process is that I I just sort of threw it up I just I threw it all up against the wall I let it go I let it go and I go Mm -hmm. and and then maybe I'd look at it again and maybe edit some things. I'd put it away for a few days, yeah. go back and look at it again. Because I, I before that, I was very self-critical of my poetry as I was writing it, so I really wouldn't get anywhere because mm. I'd be worried about certain things. Yeah. But um, and for me, I don't my if you have you read any of the book? Have you looked yeah. at it a little bit? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but we are talking about just, oh, just yes. <laughs> just <laughs> <Hello>. so <we're, laughs> Lauren did publish a poem uh, poetry book. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, and uh, it was titled "God Poems." Yeah, God po- or Dear God, messages Dear- to send out. Yeah, but mess- God, po- I don't remember. <laughs> 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 I don't know, it's somewhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but yeah. So Lauren had actually sent me some of his work prior to this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just I basically told him I said this is very unique. Mm-hmm. I think was the best way I could put it because uh, like again. And this is nothing against you at all. Like mm-hmm. I don't read a ton of poetry. Usually. Sure. Yeah. And to me, poetry sometimes becomes a very super subjective experience because of the person who's writing it. You yes. know, it has a style and they have like something they're trying to convey. And depending upon what your reference point is, like if you just grew up on some kind of simple poetry, mm-hmm. to look or iambic pentameter. Yes. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Something very rigid. Master's degree poetry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, at, look at that guy. Yeah. So uh, without any kind of other frame of reference, it's like, whoa, okay, this is interesting. This intrigues me. Why did you do it this way? Yeah, you know, so you're so. talking about really um, my style of it was basically a lot of white space. Mm-hmm. And the way I looked at it, which I'm sure was really different from the way you write, mm-hmm. is basically each poem was in itself a literary and visual experience. Mm. And it became almost a mantra for the person to read it. Hmm. Because for me, my poems were my communication with God. Hmm. And in my search to find God and whatever that means Mm. and all that other deep stuff. And, you know, this is a time in my life where, you know, I was sort of dealing with coming to my faith and whatever that means and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and stuff. So oh, we can dig into that oh, too. Dude, yeah. <laughs> so you know, I I wasn't writing, you know, 
da-da, 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 in the streets. And, you know, I wasn't, well, you weren't writing to impress anyone. No, I wasn't writing yeah. to impress anybody. I wasn't writing to really... I was writing my shouts at God. Mm-hmm. I was shouting to God. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I was drunk, you know, and sometimes <laughs> I was really upset, or sometimes I was happy, mm-hmm. or sometimes I was super dark. And that's... All that was... You know, what you'll see is... One of the poems is... Um, uh, my grandpa had passed away during this time. Mm. And I remember one of my poems, I think it's like, Dear God, um, uh, what is it? I can't remember. I should have brought a copy of the book. <laughs> oh, man, I'm just the worst writer. Something about, uh, you didn't, you didn't. Just bad at self promotion. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, I, I, dude, you're telling me, man. Uh, dude, you'll get better at yeah, it, don't worry. <laughs> it says, You didn't listen. Um, the orange label is decaf, and I didn't want my grandpa to die. Uh, mm. Check your messages. And then after that poem, though, there is about, I would say, a third of a page of white space. Hmm. And then two dashes. And those two dashes I use sort of as like brackets for a person to look at that. And there's white space. Because in that white space was God's response. Hmm. And sometimes God responded. And sometimes God doesn't. Hmm. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just me in inner uh, turmoil, mm-hmm. you know, or inner anything. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that was really abstract for you to look at that and be like, not really reading a whole lot of poetry. You're like, what the hell is that thing doing? What? He's just got a bunch of stupid marks. What? You know? I'm like, wait a minute. What are you doing? What is this? Yeah. Which is so funny because right now I'm, I'm working on another project and, and all my poetry is really more traditional kind of, you know, words and stanzas and things like that. Mm. But um, because it's less, it's less anger, honestly, and uh, more thought process. But um, I did have thought process. I, I wanted to to make sure the reader experiences what I felt or experiences it in a very certain way mm. that um, there's a lot of uh, misspellings in the text yeah. and that's on purpose yeah. because I don't know if you've ever have you ever spoken like completely accurately and perfectly for no yeah but I, but I will say I am a grammar Nazi okay <laughs> so, there you go yeah so, no I know, I know. <laughs> so, oh, God, so, yeah, so I was like looking at this I'm going dude does he realize he misspelled this like three times yeah, that's maybe, on he should, purpose. maybe he should reconsider publishing this thing I'm like or get, get an editor man just get an editor and then, yes. and then you're like no that was on purpose I'm like oh okay. yeah you're right yeah you're like, oh, I'm sorry to see it on every page I'm going okay I get it. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because so. that's also the human nature. You know, oh, yeah, it's, just, totally, it's yeah. all, you know, when you look at it, but obviously if you're not really familiar, you're like, what is that? Yeah. Who, why would yeah. you do that? Yeah. You know? yeah, I'm intrigued though. I'm um, intrigued. And I was inspired by a lot of um, minimalist and postmodern uh, writings uh, by a guy named Christopher, um, oh boy, wow, forgot <laughs> his name. Well, the issue is is that he's not really a poet. He wrote the libretto for a famous opera called Einstein on the Beach, <laughs> which is a minimalist opera by a guy named Philip Glass, famous composer, yeah. and a famous uh, theater producer, Robert Wilson. Okay. And uh, I do know Philip Glass. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. This opera, it's a whole other thing that I absolutely love. It very inspired me. It's four hours long it's wow. four and a half hours long wow but the writer is um uh, uh has uh, mental disabilities huh. and he was a part of a movement though in new york like a typing movement hmm. where the t- they really focused on the typewriter and they focused on the structure of a poem and how to look on a piece of page hmm. but they did this sort of spatial separating words and separating letters and wow. kind of looking at all these different themes and i was really influenced by that huh. um so so there's thought behind it but yeah absolutely it's 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 um definitely if i compare it to singing it's how i create my song yeah. is really how i 
put the words on the page, and it's it's almost it's very similar. Yeah, it's very similar. Yeah, I would say so, and I think too, like just the raw, like when we think of raw, and like kind of like how your poems were mm-hmm. in a very raw sense, like unfiltered, yeah, and, raw, and, you yeah, know, in a yeah. sense. But there's also that authenticity there. You know, yeah. telling the truth and kind of coming forward with, you know, this is actually what my thought process was. This is actually the emotion I was feeling. Yeah. And this is the best way I can represent it on a piece of paper and convey that message to somebody else, convey it back to myself to see if it makes sense. You know, and yeah. and the and a better writer would be able to <laughs> would be able to make you realize and think those things without me having to explain it. Mm. And I'm not saying I had to explain it to you. No, true. But but an experienced writer would be able to kind of experience what I felt and portray that in an authentic way, mm-hmm. but in the way they wanted to. Mm. And I'm not a very good writer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm just like, okay. <laughs> We're still very talented. Oh, I, so. I try to be, but <laughs> but that's that idea of authenticity. And that's yeah. where like, if I, if I made a hundred books like that, mm-hmm. then maybe the 101st one would would not need an explanation. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, that's that's so true. Part of part of the, uh, the, I guess the struggle with any kind of art expression is articulating your your position. Yeah. You know, being able to articulate it and convey the message. Yes. I mean, I think that's been a running theme of our conversation is is authentic, authenticity, telling the truth. Those two things go hand in hand, and. People are obsessed with this term raw, I think, nowadays. you know, They are. They do like the word raw, or they like this unfettered kind of concept. I or, think it's the fad. Yeah. It's, it's the fad of... of um, I mean, but it's not new. Right. I mean, it was everything is raw at some point. There's right. always groups of people being like, oh, we have to express this very deep emotional thing. And it's like, well, that happens all the time. <laughs> so whatever. What are you, you going to talk about? Right, 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 right. But yeah, so yeah. Yeah, it just takes a new form in a sense, but it's all, it all comes back around again. I mean, that's also... And this is another rabbit hole I think we could go down, oh, but yeah. the struggle for originality. What is it? Doesn't yeah. exist. Doesn't, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't, it exist. doesn't exist. Doesn't I mean, exist. I mean, you're you're always kind of borrowing in some sense mm-hmm. from some. I mean, you were just referencing uh, the style of the sort of this minimalist movement of such with the typewriter. And you're like, this really inspired me. I'm going to do something like it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, what I put out is going to be original, but the formatting might look similar, mm-hmm. or someone who may. You know, know that movement will go. Oh, I can see what Lauren was doing here. Yeah, and it could immediately, you know, trigger them to go. Oh, I, I can see what he's doing. This is a similar, you know. Yeah, yeah. Cons- well, that's, concept as a musician. Yeah, you listen to how other people's people yeah. have interpreted something, and there's yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. Do you yeah. do you see like younger singers? And when I say younger, I mean like new to it. You know, mm-hmm. doesn't they don't have to be like eight? Okay, but yeah. but like, do you do you sometimes see people who have like aspirations of singing or perhaps doing it professionally and things like that? Do they struggle with this idea of having to be original? Do they do you do you kind of get a sense for that at all? Or is I it... yes, mm-hmm. I think especially in our culture as Americans, mm-hmm. we are very focused on being originals, original mm-hmm. and individuals, mm-hmm. and I think that's a good thing, but not all the time mm-hmm. because it can be very um, limiting because a person. Uh, one of my students, he's very interested in pop singing. He's very interested in music theater. Um, but he actually reminds me a lot of me because he wants to do all this, like, mixing. He wants to do all this kind of multimedial <laughs> stuff. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, great, awesome, cool. But um, he kind of loses the purpose of our lessons, which is, um, which is to me, that authenticity. Yeah. You know, like learning the craft so you can be authentic and do it right. Mm-hmm. And not right, quote, unquote, but, you yeah. know to the best yeah. and he's really really focused on like oh I gotta do all this really new and different stuff and mm-hmm. now that can come from a genuine interest myself personally mm-hmm. I once I 
absorbed all the media I did in college and did a lot of research, I found that I really love multimedia stuff. So my mm -hmm. senior recital uh, was a song cycle uh, mixed with a play, mixed with a film that I made, you know, mm -hmm. and all this stuff that was like this huge thing. So, yeah. so that can be uh, from an authentic place. But mm -hmm. if it becomes your true focus to be different, yeah. then it loses that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And I think I, writers deal with this too. Oh yeah, you know absolutely. I absolutely. Mean, I mean, I think anybody in artful expression deals with that you know kind of issue. I mean, I uh, just reading about Michelangelo's life, for mm -hmm. instance, one of the first things he had to do, aside from all the work that he did throughout his life, which was uh, incredibly influential, is mm -hmm. that he actually had to copy his sort of master's work consistently mm. yeah. to learn the trade, basically. Like, how do I sculpt? Yeah. Right? Or how do I make this thing? You know, I literally have to sit and learn the paintbrush strokes. Uh, there was a, I think there was an author that I was reading about, a friend of mine had told me this, and I know that sounds like a totally, like, sketchy story. <laughs> no. A friend of a friend told me about yeah, this yeah, guy. Yeah. But uh, he was saying how he was so impressed with the way that this guy wrote a, a story that he literally sat down and wrote every word out mm -hmm. just to learn how this person came up with their story structure, mm -hmm. how they came up with the way that they wrote their sentences. And it might sound like cheating. It might sound like plagiarizing in some sense, being a copycat. Yeah. But in reality, until you kind of practice and learn you well, know, how yeah. to actually create those things and then you start to get a sense of, okay, this is the kind of the... I don't want to say vibe is the right word, but sort of the rhythm of how someone comes up with a really good paragraph. Because I think mm -hmm. I think we live in a really, really interesting time. Mm -hmm. Because the way that is taught is like similar. The way that uh, you're saying, that's taught in um, a lot of composition schools. Mm -hmm. And it's taught across, I think, all arts. Yeah. You learn how to write how like Beethoven by literally copying Beethoven. Yeah. You learn how to write like Mozart. You learn how to do all this stuff. Yeah. And what's really crazy is that we're in this time of the world mm -hmm. where we have the technology and the education to look back so far back to all <laughs> these different people yeah. accurately. Mm -hmm. So we can review all of those people, why they're all really good. <laughs> you know, why we can look at all these different people. Yeah. And so we have all this knowledge to get. Mm -hmm. And then I think at some point as an artist, you whether you know it or not, you connect to the real truth behind good art <laughs> that is tied between everybody that you've looked at. <laughs> and then from that point forward, then you actually start to make your own. <laughs> because you can develop your own voice. <laughs> and and I guess we could simply say that that one true connector is quote unquote authenticity. Yeah. But it's it's definitely way more than that. And I yeah. know decades of philosophers have talked about it. Oh yeah. But yeah. but but I think that's what the purpose is mm -hmm. to go through all those motions and to learn all the craft and to do all that so you can eventually realize who you are yeah. and then do your stuff. Yeah. And it's it's interesting too because it's like. As an artist, that was really good. That was a really good uh, synthesis there. I don't know how I can add to that. Yeah. But I'm going. I'm going to try to. Yeah. But you know, you just think about it. Artists in their time usually are speaking to a lot of the turmoil of their time. Mm -hmm. You know, they speak to the turmoil of their time, the spirit of the age. That you know what is happening. And you know, I just look at it. You know, again, I I have a Judeo-Christian worldview, so I see things through that lens. Yeah. And there's always this spirit of the age, at least from my vantage point, a spirit of an age versus perhaps maybe what God's up to. Mm. And those two are in competition with each other constantly. Sure. And one of the things I see is that when art is that you have people on both sides kind of being, this is going to sound horrible, but it's like being used as a vessel yeah. in either sense, you yeah. know, because 
there's turmoil to be had if you don't understand what maybe God's trying to do, and there's turmoil to be had if you're looking at the enemy of God and saying, okay, that person's an agent, or you being used as an agent for their art. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And it can kind of really skew the culture, it can skew society, it can skew all kinds of things. Um, and that, and I don't, and I know that could probably sound like a very subjective argument in some sense. But I understand what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and it's really interesting to me is that there are, I would say a huge portion of artists um, don't really connect with spirituality, don't hmm. really connect with those kind of overarching things. Now, do they think it's because it's them doing it? Like they are the ones who are gifted with this, so they don't they don't need any kind of outside assistance, perhaps, or is it? I um <laughs> that was quite. We were talking about this before. Yeah, right? we, yeah, I we were. We were because we were. we were talking about it because um, I think. Maybe there's definitely that in there, yeah. but I don't think it's just pure pride that's keeping people from really looking at that. I don't think hmm. it's just like pure. Hmm. Oh, I I don't think someone's like, oh, I don't like it. I'm not. Yeah, or, you know. <laughs> I think it's a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But when you are an artist, um, when you start to put yourself out there as an artist, and like for me as a singer, my voice has become myself, and mm-hmm. and I put myself out to that. Mm-hmm. It's you start to worship that process Mm. because it's the only thing that provides you a human sense of truth Mm. a human sense of purpose right is that when i'm singing i feel so it's not even just feelings but Mm. i have a sense of pure truth because i feel like i have this purpose right now i'm doing this song and it's everything and and if i'm not really educated or i haven't really had a background in anything spiritual or i'm just not really i just don't know Mm -hmm. there's this ignorance then that's what i start to hold on to so dearly Mm -hmm. because that's what i have Mm -hmm. because all artists know that the real world is just a lie (laughs) (laughs) you know it's just it just doesn't doesn't matter matter. and that you know and so you hold on to the only thing that you know is real you know i think that's the answer i think i think uh yeah yeah no that's 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 really good. Yeah. Right? And that's, oh man, you just really got my gears turning yeah, on that one. Dude. Yeah, dude. <laughs> what time we got? Let's see. Let's talk more about that narrative. Yeah. yeah. No, that's so good. Yeah. I, I think, uh, and it's interesting you say too, like we live in a very unique time, mm-hmm. you know, where you, you were just talking about going back in time and seeing all the really influential artists, sculptors, painters, musicians, writers, you know, people of their time period that were influencers or who inspired the people who would come after them. And it is interesting to see like what was happening within the context of that time. Mm-hmm. And this voice arose that was either influ- who either was reinforcing mm-hmm. kind of the ideas of the time or was really kind of a trends breaker. Mm-hmm. You know, not even trendsetter, trend breaker, yeah. I guess you could say. And I think back to my question about originality mm-hmm. is that I, I just I I kind of had this sort of egotism about myself even when I started writing was that I'm looking at all this and seeing all of that backlog, and going how do I stand out? Yeah, you know how do, how I, do I? Yeah, you know, how do I stand out amongst this massive, like just group of uh, really influential writers and authors and stuff? And the and the thing I've kind of come to in my own life, kind of epiphany as it were, is that there needs to be a, this authenticity that I bring, right? You know, like. Not trying to copy somebody necessarily. Yeah. Or not having this sense of, like, uh, I think it's, oh, who is it who says it? Is it Hemingway or Emerson who says it? I always mess this up. 
but uh, bad writers are obsessed with the epic, or they're they're in love with the epic, right? Yeah, like really in love with the epic. Yeah, and it's so true. You mm-hmm. know, like we all want to write this incredible story that touches a million people and it's influential and it's going to change the world. Of, yeah, 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 it's going to change the world and it's just this, you know, the greatest romance ever told, you know, or, or yeah. whatever. And it's like if that's your goal, you're never going to succeed in that. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible. I mean, it's not something that you can control at all. But what you can control in some sense is how you cultivate your your talent uh-huh. or your gifting or seeing how far it can take you, mm-hmm. right? And and seeing if it does validate you in some sense of, like you said, giving you purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, does it validate me? Does it give me purpose in some, some way? But to your point about I worship this thing and this is my idol now. My This, this gives me a sense of belonging. That's a real, I think, um, kind of trap for artists. Trap is a great word to say yeah. because that isn't necessarily in and of itself a horrible thing hmm. because there are other worse things to worship. Hmm. And and so the fact that you just worship sort of this part of yourself is not necessarily bad mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. But there's a point where it doesn't – you don't go anywhere because yeah. you've stopped looking at the world. Yeah. You've stopped looking at what's around you and you can't mm-hmm. respond to it as an artist. So you mm-hmm. just get stuck in your own cycle of bullshit. You're just like, I'm just doing this one thing, you know, <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Which we all already are, but yeah. you know, but yeah, I understand that. Yeah, yeah, and we're not growing in a sense either. No, right? no, you know, no. We're not no. kind of broadening. We're not answering questions mm-hmm. because that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Art is too is that you are you're looking at the world and you're trying to experience purpose, but you don't really know what it is because no one has the answer. And so art is a reflection of that. Mm. But if you're not looking, if you're not asking questions, then it's you can't do anything. Can't do anything with it. Can't do anything with it. And um, yeah, and you know, I think um, uh, the yeah the and I was gonna say when you're authentic, it just it almost doesn't really matter what you make. It almost doesn't really Mm. matter what you produce, what it sounds like compared to anything else. I can listen to. I can list off dozens of bands mm-hmm. that sound all similar, that all sound the same, that have all these different things going on, but they're all good because you can feel that authenticity. Mm-hmm. You know that what they're making is the is what they want to say, mm-hmm. and you know. No, oh, that's really good. And that's that's really good. Not, I love what you said about how when you're you're being authentic, you don't have to worry about that. Like, yeah, I I, th- I just think that's really good and. Man, that's that's been such the theme of our conversation it has. this evening. Is, is it has? Yeah, and I, and I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying words, no. man. No. <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll start bringing this in for landing because this has all been really good stuff, Lauren. Because um, I did want to ask you, kind of as a as a on the uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for <laughs> on the runway as we kind of like land this thing. Yes. Is uh, what are some things that you personally are hoping to accomplish with your music and with what you're doing right now? Yeah. Well, personally, mm-hmm. um, I want to be the best I can be mm-hmm. physically. So, mm-hmm. so what that means to me is um, uh, being close to virtuosic of a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe I'm talented enough to do that. I, I believe that I'm smart enough to do that. Um, and I believe I have the, the work ethic enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone can be and... I'm not even, I will even ever get there. But but I don't want to do that because I want to be recognized. I don't mm. care about being famous because I don't really care about being famous. <laughs> I, I, I want to be the best I can be because, well, for me, it's about, you know, um, doing the best what God gave me mm. in one sense. And also, if I'm the best I can be, then I can help 
people the most I can. And and also, I mean, I, I and so if I'm at that level, then I want to experience all the most wonderful music that you can. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's so much wonderful music and I want to I want to share all that beautiful, fantastic music with people who will appreciate it and will love it. And at the end of the day, the point is for people to look at themselves mm. and to look at life mm. and to look at me and say, you know, what, not that, oh, I want to be like him. Oh, I want to inspire you. Because if I do, that's great. Cool. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. But I want them to take a look at what I'm doing and, and think about their lives mm. and think about are they authentic? We've been using this word authentic a lot. Yeah, like yeah we have. Yeah. Whether they share their best selves with people. Hmm. Um, because, uh, yeah, because I think that's important. Hmm. And, and personally, career-wise, I'd like to do that for a while mm-hmm. and then teach because I love teaching mm-hmm. and I love getting to know people that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I just, I just got to be the best I can be. Yeah. I don't want to waste my time with anything that, that's that's wasteful. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, no, that's, yeah. no, that's a good answer. I mean, yeah. it's it's not like it's the a huge typical. thing. I yeah. can't really say, oh, I'm going to go to college in two years. <laughs> you know, I what's your five year plan? Yeah, no, I've got one. But you know, as an artist, am I going to say that? Boring. No, come on. <laughs> well, you know, I, I come back. Uh, I'll come back again to Goins because I just got done reading his book, and yeah. he has this great quote about how one of the goals is just to create more. Yeah, you, know, you what your goal as a creative and as an artist is really look. I don't want to be confined by selling out. I don't want to be confined by someone else owning my stuff. I don't want to be confined by having to worry about a million things. Granted, you're going to have to take care of business. You're going to have to watch your finances. You're going to have to relationships, things like that that come along, and obviously yourself. But the, this idea of this is a pursuit of mine. I ultimately want to have the freedom to create how I want to create. Yes, and I don't want to be box in a sense of someone else is dictating to me mm-hmm. this is how you're going to use your gift or this is how you're going to use your time mm-hmm. this is how you know and I think that a lot of folks especially uh, you know in your age range my age range this this concept of kind of owning your own time mm-hmm. and owning your own work is a really really big thing yeah. and, I, and especially with the technology that we have now you're able to do things like this yeah. like you're able to really reach extend and reach create more be outside the bounds of what is typical uh, you know, I don't want to say it's corporate because I don't want to just say corporate is a problem. No, no. Because, well, people have to have corporate faculties about them. Yes. You know, which is, you know. We have to function in this yeah, world. Yeah, we do. We, we have yeah. to, well, there's a human side of it. Yeah. But the, but the, but the extra human side of it <laughs> is the self mm-hmm. and realizing yourself through what you make. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most important thing as an artist to do mm-hmm. all the time. It's mm-hmm. just to make. If you are not creating your art all the time. Mm-hmm. You are wasting it. Hmm. You're wasting your time. Hmm. And that's what I was taught to me. I mean, you no one's gonna look out for your creativity and your art as much as you. Hmm. That's true. And frankly, a lot of your life, no one's gonna no one. <laughs> no one but you. You know, you know. You know, people are gonna like it, but that's it, you know. So it's that's what's the most important to me. That's good. It's just to do it. That's really good. That's really good. Well, Lauren, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, well, I hope I don't have to chop up too much of this. I don't think I will. I hope so. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you, man. Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> but, but no, man, it's, it's been it's been really good. Uh, is there any place you'd want people who are listening to this to direct themselves, like to anything that you're doing aside from well? There's your your book on uh, your book of poems. It's on Amazon. You can get on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Dear God, poems or messages to send out. The Dear God has a zero in it. But if you just type in "Dear God, Lauren Reshens," 
uh, you can find it. Um, I don't have a website. I'm bad at publicity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy creating. <laughs> I'm too busy creating. <laughs> no. Oh, we can bring it back but, on to talk about that. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. No, I but know. hey, next time I'll maybe have a website. So. <laughs> there you go. No, <laughs> but no, if you're well, in Cleveland area, check out Apollo's Fire. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Because, uh, well, you are performing too. Yeah, every now and then. I was with the Cleveland Opera this past fall, and et cetera. So I'll be, I'll be in the, I'll be in the area. Cool. So, very yeah. cool. Very cool. Well, thanks again, Lauren. This has been awesome. Oh, thank you, Josh. All right. Thanks.